So one of the beautiful things about Instagram and just general social media, I'm not really the biggest fan of social media overall. I think it has quite a lot of negative connotations. But one of the great things about it, especially as someone that's interested in any kind of creative field, is that you are bombarded constantly with other people's work. And every so often it throws up something that really interests you and takes you off in a completely new direction. And that happened this week with your work. I, I had not heard of you before this week, and I don't want that to sound like a slight. It's it's not like I, I, I'm, I'm not omnipotent by any stretch. And um, I came across your work because of a, a page that I follow that generally shares a whole host of people's work. I came across one of your images. It stopped me in my tracks. I sort of chased down the rabbit hole and found your portfolio. And then I went a bit mad. I'm sorry if I came across a bit stalkery of just liking loads and loads of stuff. But what I want to know is, is okay, so let's, let's do this properly. Who are you and what do you do? Um, so my name is Joe Howard and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional photographer in the sense that I make a living out of it, but probably not, not really for the work that people would know me for on Instagram. Um, I'm, uh, t- typically I take photos for restaurants and, um, and cookbooks and things like that. And that's another part of my passion, but, um, a lot of my personal work is the things that people would find on my personal Instagram. Um, I've been taking photos, um, only I've only been taking photos professionally for about three years. Um, but I've been as a hobby, probably since I was about, uh, 16 and I'm 30 next year. So a considerable amount of time, um, that I've been going at it, I guess. So the reason for having the the separation in your work between what you do professionally and then having another sideline for, for what you do for like your Instagram or what the public sees is that to offset is one to offset the other so that you continue to enjoy one and when one's difficult you go to the other one. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think that I I fell into taking photos um as a as a job by accident. Um so I kind of didn't want to spoil it for myself. I found that in all other things that I'd done in my pre in like previously like I did music for a very long time and then as soon as I got a kind of I was, I was always worried that if you turn in something that you really love doing into a job, then you'll end up kind of spoiling it. So when I did this, when I started taking photos, I, um, I wanted to make sure I still continued doing it in the way I normally do it without a kind of, um, like a monetary, um, kind of job aspect, a brief sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. but through that, I've ended up gaining traction and getting work from doing the sort of work that I actually would choose to make, if you know what I mean, which is good, I guess. Well, we'll start off with food photography then. How did you land your first job in food photography and and how did you kind of forge that career? So I worked in restaurants for a long time um, and it's a massive passion of mine. And, um, but I, I kind of needed a break from hospitality um, hours. So I went into a PR agency so I could still kind of be within the industry, but a different kind of angle. And, um, they were making content for, um, uh, the agency I was working for Mimo was making content for restaurants, but I felt like it could be a lot better. Um, and a bit more attention paid to, I think at that time, a lot of people would just give members of staffs, like a, like a DSLR and just off they go. And then everyone, everyone kind of has a crack at it. Um, and I kind of wanted to 
um, essentially refine it and make it better. So I ended up, I used to um, just write copy for this company and, and do, and do like text and stuff for Instagram. And then I ended up just taking all the photos for all of the restaurants. Um, and that was about two, two years ago. So I've kind of been doing that um, pretty solidly for a long time until I went freelance in January. Perfect timing to go freelance <laughs> in January. Um, uh, well, luckily I went part time, so I still I still had a bit of a kind of uh, a kind of safety blanket, um, which was a good move in hindsight. Um, so then spend time doing work that was outside of food photography. It's a bit more um, magazine work and things like that. That wasn't necessarily food, but yeah, food food photography is it's probably like seventy percent of my time day to day. And how did you go about learning it? Because obviously it's 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 obviously a very complex genre. Yeah. So it's easy it's easy with any kind of one argument I see quite a lot with different genres of photography is when but someone likes one genre but they don't like another, they just reduce the other one to a sentence. So they'll say, well that's just <laughs> photo- that's just photographing people or that's just you you just take pictures of food anyone could do that. And it's it's such yeah. a you could do that to literally anything. You just cut people open. That's heart surgery. Um, how do you learn food photography? And I guess, how do you get good at it? I think it's such a good point, actually, because I think especially food photography has this massive stigma attached to it of this thing that everybody just does in restaurants when they're sat there. and and um, or, or it's like the extreme. So you're, with food photography, you're either, um, you're either that guy taking photos of his food on his phone or you're taking photos from McDonald's and everyone's telling you everything's fake and mayonnaise is actually PVA glue and things like that. When in reality, <laughs> it's it's definitely not that. Um, uh, I I think what gave me a massive leg up was a knowledge of food and and uh, relationships with restaurants and basically understanding what I was taking photos of for as a start. So I think you get a lot of food photographers that will go in and they don't actually know anything about. They're just going in to take a photo. They might understand lighting and things like that, but understanding what you're actually looking at ma- massively helped me, especially when it comes to talking to chefs because chefs speak a language. And if you can't speak that language, it's very difficult. Um, so, but with regards to actually the technicalities of taking photos of food, it is very difficult. And I think, um, um, I think it's, there's so many things that uh, you would never think of that you'd have to that you have to kind of you're up against that you wouldn't necessarily get with a normal photo shoot. So, um, you know, first of all, you're working around somebody else's job. So I I get put in a restaurant, and it could be, I could have a an hour window before everything kicks off, and if everything or I have to, or sometimes you have to do it during service. So everything is a is kind of a bit of a balancing act in that sense, but. I think it depends with when you're taking photos of food, I think you kind of have to decide how you want your photos to look pretty early on. And you kind of, a lot of some people just go for really like hard light, um, kind of, uh, continuous lights and, 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 uh, speed lights and flash and stuff like that. And that's their thing. They never use natural light. And then other people will only ever use natural light. And I, I tend to think that, with food photography, you can't really mess up too much of how something's supposed to look. So if you think about it, like, you know how, um, 
lighting is so important because you can't you can't take a photo of a steak and somebody sees it and it like it doesn't it you it needs to look like what it is that's why you need to have you really have to be so aware of what your lighting looks like and um the control of that so i think it it taught me a lot of lessons as far as like um technical stuff with photography that i didn't have a clue on um yeah, I think it purely depends on the sort of photos you want you want to take. I've always been more of a kind of natural light, um, documentary style, um, fly on the wall sort of thing, rather than like big sort of advertising campaign sort of photos of like a like a, an epic burger on like a slate or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, definitely. I also think just to go back to it, your comment about kind of knowing the subject is is a very important one. I, you know, if, if you're a sports photographer and you don't understand the sport that you're photographing, you might not understand the moment that's important that you're going to photograph. And with yeah. food, if you don't understand the process of the food and you don't understand the what the centerpiece of a meal is, you could end up photographing it the complete wrong way around and people not understand yeah. really what you were going for. Yeah, for sure. And I think especially is under understanding with with food photography as well you've got to be quite bullshit and you've got to, if something's not right you've kind of got to stand up and say let's do this again and i think that's half of the challenge is that if you're if you're quite a uh, a quiet person if you see something come out and say it's just it, i don't know like with when you leave meat out for too long it kind of gets this glaze on it if you can't if you can't pick out that and go right well that's something that needs changing now. I can see that that's in about three minutes, that's going to look bad. You've got to have the kind of the confidence to be able to tell somebody that they've got to do something again for the good of, like I just did a photo shoot for a cookbook and, um, I made like some of the, some of the, some of the chefs are like, they're unbelievable chefs and incredible. And they've been doing this for God, the majority of their lives, but it doesn't mean that they understand how something's going to look in a photo. So you can't, it's like a, it's like a team, it's a team effort. And I don't think you can pretend that it's all you or you just have to let them wing it. You've kind of got to lead them down the path to, to get the, the best work. In a past life, I was a pastry chef. So I'm, oh, cool. I'm fairly aware of how visceral a kitchen can be. Do you ever find yourself running into problems with certain types of personalities in kitchens? I, when I worked in a restaurant, pretty much all of my friends... But, and my and my and the people that I'm still to this day remain really friendly with were all the chefs and I um and I think that I managed to get myself out of um being that guy in front of house because I I knew their language and I loved food and they knew I loved food um but also I think there are certain things that that chefs really pick up on if if you're in a kitchen and being aware of how to be in a kitchen that's I think that's something like, you know, even just saying backs or something like that, if you're walking around somewhere and and you're kind of in somebody's way, the language you use to make people aware that you're there and stuff like that, I think that kind of goes a long way. But I've never I think you you always get arsy chefs, but you kind of you've got to have a confidence to stand your own. You you know, you're there for a job in the same way that they are. They've essentially the restaurant have asked you to be there. So Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm my my turning point from 
realizing maybe I wasn't enjoying being in the kitchen as much as I think when I threw the first knife I ever threw and I kind of realized that maybe I needed to take a break from that. When it comes to like the ethics of food photography, is there is there like an approach? Because you obviously said about like PVA glue being mayonnaise as like, the you know, there's, there's always been that kind of element of bullshit to what people know about food, but what they perpetuate without any substantiation at all. They'll talk about like McDonald's chicken nuggets containing um, like hands or something stupid. And <laughs> what, um, what are the ethics of food photography and what are the, kind of the rules that you're working within? I tend to s- steer away from anything that, includes um i don't know like painting painting um tomatoes or you know doing any of these things that are a bit a bit extra um mm-hmm. i think that if you're quick and you know what you're doing i think you should I, I get it when you're doing big advertising campaigns and you and something is going to be basically sat there for a long time and you've got to, you've got to have the time with it that's the, essentially the reason if of um that why these people use all this fake food is for longevity and it doesn't, it doesn't, um, spoil that quickly. Obviously if you're, if you're using, you know, engine oil as, um, <laughs> golden syrup and things like that, it's basically because either it holds, it holds a texture that you think of in your mind as being what it should look like. And the way that milk drips or something like that is actually, but in re- in the reality of it is that I'd rather, uh, I, uh, it makes it too complicated, and also you have to you have to have so many people involved in those sort of things. This, you know, I I basically rock up to every single shoot on my own. I I don't really do things that you need stylists apart from like a cookbook. Although I just riff that on my own. To be fair, um, um, so I try to I try to yeah keep away from those sort of things because it gets a bit complicated. And for consistency wise. Um, you kind of need to have your your niche for it's a very very competitive market food photography and if you need to have your niche so if somebody needs something specific doing they're going to look towards you rather than going i'm going to be doing a bit of all of these styles and you could kind of just be left lingering in the middle while they choose everybody that specif- you know specializes in those things yeah, absolutely. I think like the more, not maybe not the more stylized, but the more of a style you can develop for yourself, the more you cut out your own place in the market where when you try and cover, when you, when you try and cover as many, um, as many, uh, potential cu- customers as possible and try and cover as much interest as possible, you usually just look like you don't really have any personality to what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. It looks like you just, you've just gone mad on Pinterest and you're just choosing the high, you know, the, what, what, what you think looks best. So I didn't find you for your food work. I found you for the other work that you do. So what is the other work that you do? So the other work I do, it's, it's, it's kind of hard, like, because I didn't, I don't, I've never really, it's only in the last year that I've been kind of, what sort of work do you make? And, and, um, and why do you make it? And why do you choose the things? And I think, I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. I think that, I've only just seen that there's a kind of pattern that has emerged over the amount of time that I've been doing it, if that makes sense, as in I've never gone into it. I know the things that I love to look at and that basically everything that I, everything, all the work I make pretty much revolves around really good light, really, really interesting colors and, um, and lines or like, and the composition is massive on it. I'm definitely not a kind of shoot from the hip 
documentary style photographer. Sometimes I'll take a photo quickly maybe. And then knowing that later on I can work it into what I want it to be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Pretty much the majority of my work is, um, that is on my Instagram is taken on trips that I've done away with my girlfriend. Um, and then I make a lot of work when, yeah, when, when I'm traveling with, but I've, I'm kind of, I, I've never been one. I, I don't want to make travel photography, if that makes sense. I, I'm not, I'm not going to go and take a, a big, um, HDR photo of the great wall of China. Okay. So would you, would you classify yourself more as a photojournalist then? Uh, n- not in, um, no, I don't, I, I, no, I wouldn't, I guess, um, because I think I'd like to take photos. I hate this actually, because I, I'm seeing it pop up as this kind of like hype word at the moment that everyone's using. It's kind of like everyday things. Um, and the projects that I've been working on are things like I was, uh, a project I'm thinking about doing called Everyday Colour, which is essentially small corners of places that you may otherwise walk past without necessarily realising that they were there. So rather than, I, I find it much more interesting to try and take photos of something um, that aren't instantly super photogenic and making them into something that people then see as like, that is photogenic. If you know, if you know, do you know what I mean? It's kind of, yeah. that somebody else may walk past and they may not even realize it's there. I find that a bit more interesting. So I tend to, I tend to just walk aimlessly rather than, um, researching too much and go, I want to go and get a photo of this famous um, landmark or that famous landmark. So you're kind of an anti-tourist photographer. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, I kind of, I'm not really interested in um, take, yeah, that, yeah I, I'd say so. Like in London, I'd, I'm taking a lot of photos around London, in, in London at the moment. And um, I, uh, I'm a hundred percent not drawn to going and taking photos of Victorian townhouses. I'd much go rather go and take photos of, you know, all of these weird, weirdly painted colored estates and stuff like that. Not in like a, an urban photographer kind of sense, but just, I, I just find things like that a bit more pleasing to the eye in a kind of uh, photogenic way. Do you think you're drawn more then to like the components of the image as opposed to like the whole scene? So you're drawn to the color of the scene or the geometry and you have to find the photo within that as opposed to the whole scene looks great and I've got to find a way to make it look different. Yeah, I'd say so. I think um, that's why I think it's such a challenge to take a big landscape because you've got so much space to feel your composition to, to try and find interest, to keep interest within it. Um, whereas yeah, with, um, I, I'm not so bothered about say like narrative, like I'm, I'm, I'm instantly, I think that's bang on to be fair. I'm instantly drawn to something by color is essentially the, the initial thing. And I've got a massive thing for light and shade is in a lot of my work as well. Mm-hmm. But it's like narrative um, and um, storytelling isn't something that I push for um, in my work. And I think that sometimes as a photographer, you're almost like you're, you, it's easy to not be, in te- not be taken seriously unless you've got some big kind of idea behind why you made something. Um, like you have to have 
a kind of thesis to go with a reason why you made a photo rather than, um, I think this looks great and that's yeah. why I want to take a photo of it. Yeah, I, I think lately, maybe the last five years, has become this sudden weird push that every image has to have like a hidden meaning or it has to have a statement with it or it has to have a purpose. It can't just be an aesthetic piece of art that's just there because the person that took the picture was drawn to it and other people that might see it might be drawn to it. Everything has to have some bullshit sort of thing attached to it to make out that it has this deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. But in actual fact, finding something that's just pleasant to look at, something that just is interesting and catches the eye is actually just as hard as it is to make some sort of pseudo intellectual sociological statement by taking a picture of a homeless person next to a cash machine or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I I couldn't agree more than that. I, that that sort of thing. It's almost like I think I think it's too easy to do things like that. Um, and um, but then people will look at some of my work and they go, "Oh, it's too easy to take." I don't know a photo of a council estate. I say, yeah, it, it, people, everyone has different opinions. I mean, a lot of my a lot of my favourite photographers are super narrative based photographers, like Alex Sof. Um, everything that he has done is super narrative um based um and i think up until that moment when i have an idea of something that i'd like to do i'm still happy just taking photos for the sake of taking photos i don't feel like people should be pushed into you know only 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 uh you're only your serious work um all, all of your serious work must have a kind of a theme or something like that do you know what i mean absolutely um, so in the short time that I've been aware of you, I've, I think I've got a pretty good idea that you're pretty well traveled. <laughs> yeah. What are some of your f- sort of favorite places that you've traveled to from a photographic sense? We went to Mexico um, in December and I think that was amazing. So just for um, color, it's just everything so beautifully color, um, uh, beautiful and colorful. And you're kind of spoiled for uh, for choice of the amount of, you know amount of um, photos you can make. Um, we uh, also went to Greece, and I think that's another place. I think that I think I think the thing I found most interesting about this is that they all have very different color palettes. And I think that when you then look at all of this, I, every time we go away, I tend to do a book of photos for each place, um, and um, it's clear to see the differences just, you know, um, between, between locations, um, of color palettes and things like that. Same, I, I did a trip to Lisbon and everything, you know, it, it changes, but I can, there's definitely, I've managed to keep a consistency between all those places, which was really nice. Um, I think, uh, in 2018, I went to Japan and I, I wasn't really, I've kind of progressed a lot in the last year i'd say as in personally as in the way i feel about the photos i'm taking um then i wasn't quite on the same uh, headspace as i am now and i'd we were planning to go well we were planning to go back in september to go again but i don't know if that'll happen now but that's somewhere that i'd like to have another crack at <laughs> if possible have you ever visited somewhere with pretty high expectations and it's just fallen a bit flat san francisco <laughs> Me and you both, mate. It really yeah, it's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was really, I was really let down. Um, yeah, um, I was, yeah, I was expecting a lot. Um, and the only thing that, you know, I don't know, I just, I just didn't, I didn't really do anything to me. But we, did, we did a big trip. And we drove from Vancouver down to um, LA, 
And there were places all the way down that I was like, can't wait for that place, can't wait for this place. And in the end, um, most of those places fell flat. It was actually the only, like, when Seattle was kind of, Seattle and Vancouver were the two of the best places that we went to in the whole trip. But um, it was always things like, you know, everyone told me that the Big Sur was going to be the best thing I've ever seen and taking photos of that. And reality, the Oregon coastline was way more interesting than the Big Sur. And you were through the Big Sur within 35 minutes. And, you know, um, but I, again, I wasn't, I was, uh, I wasn't even using a digital camera then. I was still just using my film camera and I wasn't, um, I wasn't, um, this is probably what back in 2016, I wasn't taking it seriously then. So I kind of wish I could have, uh, made some better photos and do that again, to be honest. So it's a lot of kind of looking back and going, Oh, wish I'd done that better or wish I could go back there and do that again. Sort of thing. Is that, is that like the curse of traveling to places? Obviously you're always going to be progressing as a photographer. The curse is that you're never going to be at your best when you look back at your images because you've improved since you took them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel like I've, um, in the last year and the places that we've been in the last year, I've kind of, I was going to say plateaued, but I think that's a really, <laughs> it's a negative word to use. But what I mean is that I kind of hit a point where I'm proud of all the work I'm making and like properly proud. Um, and, um, I feel like these will stand up, um, far longer compared to the stuff I was making before, which wasn't really, it was kind of, I've got a camera with me. It's not the priority of what I'm doing. Whereas trips now, I think, you know, 70% of my brain is thinking about making photos and it used to be more about visiting places. Not that I'm not, you know, excited to go and view these places, but what, what photos I'm going to make is like a big part of a trip for me now where it never used to be really. You mentioned film just then and your Instagram says that you, I think it says you hold no allegiance between digital and film. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what are your camera setups at the moment for both out of interest? So for digital, I've got a, um, I've got a Canon 5D Mark IV and a, I've got a Fuji X100T, like a fixed lens situation. And then for my film cameras, I've got a, a Nikon FM2 35mm and my medium format, I've got a Mamiya 7 with the 80mm lens. Which is your, um, which is your current favorite? Uh, Mamma Mia 7, I think, I think it's, it's, it's kind of, it's the perfect camera to take around with you. And like the negatives are enormous and it, it's lighter than any DSLR camera that I have or any SLR camera that I have. Um, and yeah, it's just a beast to be honest. Um, I, uh, I got it just before we went into, uh, I got it just around Christmas and, um, my photos have improved daily from using it. I think that sometimes you know, gear does, does make a difference, but I, I slummed it for a long time with normal cameras, um, like cheaper 35 mil cameras and the Fuji. And I made great photos of all of those. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and preach that, you know, having a really expensive camera is vital, but I think eventually, um, it's like with the guitars, you know, eventually you want a USA strap. <laughs> I'm a bit more of a duo Sonic man myself at the moment. Cause I prefer oh, really? a shorter scale length. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I used to be, I used to be a big Les Paul player 
And I stopped playing music for about five years and switched back to play music about 18 months ago, maybe a year ago. And um, I, for some reason, I had a real urge for a short scale. I've, I've got um, arthritis and every so often I get tendon problems. And it actually is really nice to play and I like the extra bass. But that's nothing for a photography podcast, so I'll move on very quickly. <laughs> Um, you don't hold allegiance between digital and film then, which is obviously not particularly normal because most people seem to be incredibly adamant that one is better than the other. So yeah. what went wrong with you? Why don't you have that anger and that rage? Um, so I actually, I actually started shooting film a long time ago. Um, and I didn't shoot digital up until about three years ago. So if anything, I should be like, film, 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 balls to digital. I don't care about anything else. Um, but I, uh, I inherited camera off my dad and, um, and I just used that. It was like a Pentax ME super, still wicked camera. I love it. And it's like, you can get it for like 30 quid. Um, and I just for years took photos of that. And it was actually in the period where, um, film, nobody was buying film. So you could go to Jessup's and buy a roll of film, um, no, you could just develop your film and they'd give you a roll back for free every time. Wow. So they were just trying to get rid of it. And so because of that, I have endless amounts of these rolls of film um, from when I was younger, um, like college and through to uni. Um, and that was kind of what I, what I, what I did for a long time. I, uh, and I absolutely loved it. And I didn't even touch a digital camera. I just took photos on my phone. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I got a digital camera for food photography that I kind of started to get into that. And then I didn't touch my film camera for a couple of years. And then a friend of mine got into it. Um, and that kind of reignited the, the, the kind of... Uh, and he had this almost kind of um, new uh, buzz for it, like a, like a love for it that um, I guess I kind of didn't really have when I first started using it. I think I just kind of saw it as like, I want to take photos. This is my camera. I, I never romanticized it or that. I never really have romanticized it. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I started taking photos on film again. Um, and I feel like I hated the romanticized kind of view of film. I, I love film. And I think all of my favorite work has been made on film. I, I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes I've always said that I almost feel like it's harder to take. I don't know whether this is because I've been taking photos on film for, for a long time and it taught me a lot about taking photos of digital, like you're, you're understanding aperture and light and shutter speed and things like that. Um, but I almost feel it's harder to take a good photo on a digital camera um, because you are, you are left with, you know, when you look at a raw file compared to a raw file taken on Portrait 400 um, on a Mamiya 7, you're already you know, you've already got a lot to work with. There is an atmosphere attached to a, to a negative and a, and a, and a roll of film um, that there isn't in a raw file, digital file. And I feel like you have to work harder to make a great image mm. um, with the digital file. No, I can see that. I can see that for sure. A lot of people don't agree with me, but um, okay. um, I've, I've shot film a lot longer than I have digital, um, but I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, one is better than the other. Um, I feel like digital is, um, film is super useful for, for learning and, and, and understanding how all of these things work, but I love them both equally. And I think, um, they're both as important as another, um, as each other, sorry. Um, and you know, I did with, with, with film, I, um, 
I develop everything at home. Um, and again, that's not because of some romantic kind of, oh, I shoot, I know, I shoot all my, I shoot on film, I develop all my film at home, I scan it all at home. In reality, you know, you're just stood in a sink in the kitchen and, and tossing around a, 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 a plastic bucket for 45 minutes. Um, it's boring as hell, but it saves you a lot of money. Um, but I know there's, there's definitely people that think that, oh, well, you're obviously you're not taking it, you know, you know, you obviously don't love it that much if you don't think it's better than digital and this and that. But yeah, I think it's all nonsense. Um, um, I, lo- I love them both. Yeah. You have the Fuji, the little fixed lens Fuji, but you also have the 5D Mark IV. Is it just literally the size of the Fuji and the fact that it's a simplified camera that makes you have that as well? No, I actually had that first. Uh, okay. Um, I had that and I used to take it away with me a lot. So when I did my first ever trip to Japan, I took that and I took all the photos I had. I took I took that and a, a little uh, Pentax K1000 film camera and that was it. And I loved the photos, taking that thing. And then I got the 5D um, just for work and, you know, it's better for print and it's kind of a bit more consistent and... Um, a bit more of a workhorse. I need a workhorse, essentially, a camera that I could use every single day and it take a beating. So you're the anti-tourist. Um, that's what I'm now going to call you anyway, because I think that's quite a cool name. <laughs> you're the anti-tourist and you have this affinity for not having uh, pre-built prejudice against either film or digital, which most people seem to have. What is it about photography then that's that's so exciting for you? Because a lot of people kind of use separatism as a motivator. So they like brand loyalty or they like a particular film stock or they like a particular subject, whereas you shoot multiple subjects on multiple formats and you seem to be pretty easy going about the whole thing. What is it that's motivating you and what do you love so much about creating photos? Um, I think it's so true, you know, and I never actually thought about that. It's that everybody, ha- you, everybody has to section everything off. It's like, I get it because ph- photography is like a, is a big, big subject in the same way that, you know, I might like one band and I might not like the next, you know what I mean? And um, mu- uh, music's similar to that. And I, and I guess in the photography is that I love, I think, the art of making a photo from, from start to finish, whether that's processing it, um, analog or working through a photo digitally. Um, I don't know. I, um, I think it's, it's about, it's about the art. It's about post post for me as much as it's about taking photos at the time. I think a lot about how I'm going to make a photo look afterwards. That's why I hated everyone used to say things like, um, Oh, you can't edit your photos if you, if you shoot, film and things like that and you can't take things out it's like if you look at you know uh ansel adams photos are all all edited to buggery do you know what i mean like and uh, every 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 photoshop's based on a dark room um so it's it's things like that 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 really frustrated me about it but as far as i think it's also just a very good hobby and i think that's how i started and i think what i love about it is it it gets me out and looking at things like my head isn't down. My head is all, I'm always looking for something to take a photo of. So because of that, I've explored areas of London that I would never have ever seen before. And I'll just walk a random way or and it's the same in different countries. I found some of the best restaurants in Japan from just, I'm going to go down, walk down that alleyway because that looks like it's a nice photo. Oh, found this. Oh, found that. I think that's the, that's the joy of, taking photos um 
But then there's also, you know, is that just memories and and I'm glad that when I was younger, I took all these photos of me and my friends and it's very different to the sort of photos I take now. But because of that, you know, everyone else that put all their photos on Facebook are all now compressed and you can't take any of them off and they all look awful and, you know, file types and things like that have changed so much that they're all ruined. Whereas, I, you know, I can go back and scan any of these negatives from when I was 17 anytime I want. And I think that's another thing I love about it. Are there any places that you have left to visit that you are really looking forward to when we're actually allowed to go beyond our front doorstep? I want to go to the Faroe Islands and also really want to go to Korea. That's it. South Korea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely love to go there. Any particular um, reason? I mean, the Faroe Islands looks absolutely stunning. And I don't think you probably Faroe need to explain is- why. Whereas K- Korea obviously is a little bit different. It's probably not as well known as a pho- photogenic place. So what is it you like about the idea of Korea? I think part of me is because I want to eat and <laughs> I love food and Korean food I love. Um, and I, 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 I enjoy the challenge of it. I kind of find sometimes... Um, it's almost, you know, we were supposed to be going to Italy in, um, in well, next month, <laughs> which isn't happening anymore, obviously. Um, and as much as I was really excited for that trip, making photos wise, I wasn't overwhelmed with the idea of it. Um, because, you know, it just doesn't, I really struggle with the idea of being, being cliche. So I kind of always want to try and avoid um, those kind of really easy photos. I took a lot of photos like that in Greece, to be fair. But um, it's kind of hard to avoid when everything looks the way it does in Greece. Um, but for example, last time I went to Italy, we went to a um, Puglia and we went to a, a town called Gilapoli, or Gilapoli, I'll probably said it wrong. Um, but then my two favorite photos that came out of that were of these um, and beautiful harbors and everything like that. And I've just got these photos of these rotting nets and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and rusting. Um, rusting trolleys next to a harbour. But the ironic thing is, is that a friend of mine from Puglia, um, they're my two favourite photos that he's taken because he thinks that represents uh, a, a part of a place that he recognises rather than, you know, me just taking a glorified photo of, uh, of a new beautiful sandy beach. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of a bit more, a bit more realist, I suppose. How do you, we're coming to the end. I obviously know you want to crack on with your day. I don't want to keep you for too long. But one thing I'm always fascinated, I'm always fascinated by people that shoot film when they go abroad. Do you take film with you or do you try and source it when you're there? Uh, It depends where you're going. So um, it's getting harder and harder. So when I went to Mexico, I took uh, 15 rolls of film. um, And the issue is, I actually got some of this as a problem when I went back, is that scanners um, in the airports can really bugger up your film quite a lot. And I had a couple of rolls get ruined from that. Um, so that's getting more difficult. So now I think in a lot of um, airports, like I think in Heathrow completely, you have to hand scan all of your film now because the x-rays will spoil it all. Um, so I usually buy um, in bulk before because, you know, I, went, I actually almost ran out in Mexico and I went to a shop and you just, you can't get anything. Like I, I, I was at in Mexico City. I really struggled. Um, I mean, you can get it there, obviously, but you have to really hunt it down, and you know it's that it can be really expensive. The only place I've ever really bought film um, in Japan, um, they have a couple of film stocks which you can only get in Japan. Um, 
I can't remember, it's a Fuji film. It's like a, it's a something 100, I can't remember. It's like a little green po- packet and they kind of have these, have them like piles them in these baskets outside the camera shops. And you get them here and they're really expensive. <laughs> but there, they like cost like two quid. And so I bought a load of film there um, and I actually got a load of film developed when I was there as well because I was too impatient. Um, and I, yeah, I think like some places, it's just it's just a lot easier than others. Japan is piece pissed like they've just got so much and it's cheap but yeah other places like mexico and greece you really i i have to bulk up quite a lot but i also try not to i'm not somebody that likes to fire away like willy-nilly i um i'm not uh, you know for, we went away to mexico for um for two weeks and yeah i only took i think it may maybe only, only like 11 or 12 rolls actually so i had to I didn't, I'm not just wishful thinking sort of thing. I'm, 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 I'm being precious with it. Well, Polaroid's made a big comeback in the last few years. My wife's a huge Polaroid fan. I think we have, I'm looking at my wall now. I think I've got five or six, got six Polaroid cameras because my wife's such a fan of them. Um, are you much of a Polaroid shooter? Are you happy it's come back? I like, I like Polaroid. I mean, uh, my, I've got, yeah, so my, my, my dad took a lot of photos and um, I've got Polaroids from, God, every year of my life. Um, and I, I've got a massive nostalgia kind of attached to them from that. But I mean, as far as like um, making proper work, I actually I actually bought a book last week. Oh, God, I can't remember the guy's name is. It's really annoying. Um, but he took a load of photos on Polaroid, like peeled back Polaroid um, of Hong Kong in black and white. And they're amazing, absolutely amazing. And um I you know I've considered you can get Polaroid backs for um, loads of medium format cameras. You can get one from a Mir Seven and things like that. So I've, I mean I'm all for it. I'm, I'm, I uh, I, th- I think everything coming pe- things coming back in any form is a, is only a good thing. Um, it's like they're they you know they're they're now reintroducing all these old film stocks which they had which they had to um, discontinue. And, the more all these things come back. I mean, unfortunately, Polaroid is bloody expensive, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, yeah, as someone that has to fund someone else's Polaroid addiction, I can confirm <laughs> it is bloody expensive. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's um, I've noticed like Kodak's sort of jacked their prices up a bit because they want to build up the machinery to sort of be able to supply the amount that the demand is calling for. So it's obviously a good time for film. Um, not good if you like Kodak and you want to spend less money because it's obviously gone up a bit, but it's good in general that it's coming back. I think what we're finally learning, and it's taken way too fucking long for people to get their heads around, is the fact that there isn't about constantly just improving something. Like you, you take the, you know, the portability of a digital camera and, you know, you compromise that against, well, I want to have big lenses on the front. You know, mirrorless has been one of the most hilarious experiments in stupidity. I'm, I'm to clarify, I shoot mirrorless cameras, but it's, it's been so stupid because the entire sort of selling process of mirrorless cameras for years was it saves weight, it saves weight, it saves weight, but it doesn't because it actually, all you end up with is an ergonomically fucked camera that weighs just as much as it used to when you put a lens on the front of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. But the, don't sit properly anymore. But the actual truth of mirrorless cameras, the real joy of mirrorless cameras is that you get such a higher image quality by moving the back of the lens closer to the sensor. 
in digital sense, that'll give you a much clearer picture, a much better picture. And and if they just sold it from that point of view from the beginning, it would have been great. And then people could make their decision based on that. The way that cameras and photography is kind of sold to people is this constant competition. And I know that's kind of money driven and that's the way things work. But I think we are finally getting to the point where people are realizing, do you know what? If you take pictures on film, you get this type of picture. And if you take pictures on a medium format digital camera, you get this type of picture. And you just decide which, which medium you prefer in the sense of the process and the end product. And then you just go from there. It's not about saying one is better than the other. It's about which one do you enjoy more and just enjoy photography. It's just not what people are doing enough of. And I think we're finally learning. I think, I think, I think that's one of the worst things about photography is, is, is gear chat. I mean, I'm, I, I love, I love talking about cameras, digital and film. Um, but it's almost like it's, it's painful. Because you know that's my my Mamiya Seven is it might be a lost after a lost after camera and a bit of a bit of a hype camera for some people, but um, at the end of the day, I I chose that for a specific purpose. I don't take portraits, so I'm not going to. Um, I don't take many portraits anyway. And Mamiya Seven isn't good for portraits. And I think it's having it's it's is knowing what you want your camera to be used for is the most important thing and understanding of how, um, how you like to take photos, whether or not you, you're somebody that wants to use a waist level finder and you're happy you doing that, or you want, um, a medium format camera with, um, like, a like if you like range finders or if you like, uh, you know, uh, uh, using, um, just like SLRs and things like that. I don't, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of, you know, what gear you use, whether, you, whether, you know, the files from a Canon are warmer than files from a Fuji or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's like at the end of the day, they're going to look however you want to make them look. Do you know what I mean? Um, the one thing I've definitely learned the last year where I've switched camera systems twice is that the feel of it and the process of taking the picture, if you don't enjoy it, it will radically change the quality of your work more than you could ever possibly think. So no matter how much the the notes on the side of the box tell you you've got a better camera than the one you used to have or anything like that, if you aren't physically enjoying the process of taking the picture, you don't take as good a work and it changes the mood of the work that you're taking because you aren't in as good a mood. Yes, for sure, 100%. Like, you know, the ergonomics of a camera, I think, is one of the most important things for any camera, it's like a Mamiya Seven is like one of the ugliest cameras you can look at. It's like <laughs> it is like a ugly thing, um, but it's really comfortable in your hand. Whereas you compare that to I don't know some medium format cameras, um, whether you know it's like a Pentax Six Seven, it feels like a digital camera. I mean, it's like it's big and heavy, um, and it's you know it. it, it it, it it feels like an SLR. It feels like something you're used to shooting if, if you went from a normal camera. But it weighs a ton. So there are things you have to think about. If you're, if you're, for what photos you're taking, if you're happy to be carrying around something that, um, if you're sorry, if you're just going to be in a studio, it doesn't really matter what something mm-hmm. weighs or how it feels in your hand. But if you're going to be using something day to day, out and about, on your shoulder 24-7, there are things you need to, think about with that it's like you know you're not going to carry a phase one around with you very easily um if you're a you know there are reason that street photographers use certain types of cameras and there are so many things to think about when you're buying a camera 
um, not just this is the newest can- camera by Canon or this is the newest this by that person or it has this many megapixels or um, yeah yeah and it's it's it's, it's also about um, you know how a, uh, how how you feel maneuvering around a system especially like a digital camera. Um, I've always used Canon and I find it so easy to maneuver around using a Canon. Um, but as soon as I've been, I've used a Nikon for a few minutes, it, it just didn't agree with me, um, Mm -hmm. with the kind of, you know, the layout and everything like that. So I think those sort of things, super important when buying a camera more than, more so than how many megapixels it's got. (laughs) No, I completely agree. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this. It's been great to talk to you. No problem. One thing we do on here is we always want to make sure that people know where they can find you. So where's the best places people can see your work? Um, so if you go to my Instagram, which is Joe W. Howard, um, that's Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D. Um, that's, and then that's got links to um, my website and um, and my other profile as well for food i think it's also linked on the website as well so that's probably your best bet it's been so good to talk to you thank you for taking the time i really do appreciate it yeah it's great to talk to you no problem thanks so much you have a great day my friend yeah you too thanks a lot